faithwire.com. Amazon employees plot to demote a conservative author's children's book in a leaked video. Today is Wednesday, April 27th, 2022. I'm Dan Andros. We'll have that top story and more on today's 4 and 3 podcast from CBN's Faithwire. You can subscribe to us on iTunes. We'd love to have you with us as we go through the news of the day with a Christian perspective. You, and actually, you can subscribe wherever you love listening to podcasts, whichever service of choice you like. Go ahead and subscribe there. Um, we'd love to have you with us. With me, as always, Trey Gons Phillips, Billy Hallowell from CBN's Faithwire with a quick look at what is coming up on the podcast today. What's going on, guys? Happy Wednesday. It's hump day. Yes. Yes. Halfway. Halfway there. Yeah. Indeed. Yep. So, um, continuing with my trend. So I did a crazy weird story yesterday. Yes, uh, you did. I figured we, we should continue that trend. This one is a lot more disturbing though. But so Megan Fox explained in a new interview, uh, more about her bizarre claim that she and her fiance, uh, Machine Gun Kelly, a recording artist, quote, drink each other's blood mm. so we'll get into okay we'll get into that yeah trey's coming over to my side to cover these <laughs> weird things yeah um and i'm going to be talking about an atheist in florida he's an activist and he's essentially trying to ban the bible from public schools and he's using desantis's recent education law to do it so it's oh an boy. interesting one all right. I mean, I don't know if you're going to be able to top Trey the cat story is weird story of 2022. I feel like <laughs> I feel like that one's got a lock right now. Yeah. We can yeah. we can try. We can try, but I don't know. I don't know. Crazy cat lady is probably always going to yeah. be at the top. It, it's definitely in the top 5. For it is. Mar marrying your cat is going to be a tough one to uh, surpass. Yeah. In the well, annals. Give give culture a few months. That's true. That's true. We always say that. You know, I thought last week was crazy, and then we got to this week. <laughs> uh, so, I mean, we'll wait. We'll wait and see what happens. So, But we are going to start here, guys, with this story coming out um, about Amazon. And leadership in a leaked video, they were fretting over a children's book that had risen to the number one spot on Amazon's uh, children's books. Uh, I think it was children's or LGBT, one, one of those categories that uh, is especially kind of like a left-leaning category. And Matt Walsh, a conservative uh, talker and author, commentator, he wrote this book called Johnny is a Walrus. And it's essentially a commentary on how the transgender movement sort of pressures people into believing uh, and, and helping their kids. I think the mom... The kid, the kid believes he's a walrus, and then the mom feels pressured into just telling him he's actually a walrus. And so it's more of a commentary on that than anything else. But the book shot up to number one uh, on an Amazon list, and they actually had a session about this on video, and they were fretting over the fact that this thing rose up to number one on the list. And here is an Amazon employee. I'm going to play you a couple of clips of this, but the, the call goes on uh, for a while. But I'm going to play you a couple of clips of this because it's super interesting to me, guys. And um, it's it's kind of an indication of what conservatives and sometimes Christians face from these big gatekeepers, these big platforms, when you get to actually see underneath the hood a little bit. And so it's kind of fascinating. So here are Amazon employees calling the book a quote hell 
of a problem. Take a listen to this. It's about a book called Johnny the Walrus. And I want to be very clear, the next two are about books. And I saw someone say, oh, joy, we're going to talk about one of them because it's been it's been a very traumatic experience for transgender Amazonians and our transgender customers. What I don't want to come out of this is um, slamming the books team uh, with a bunch of tickets. They are already aware of this. There, you know, there are things in the space that are happening. Um, but Johnny the Walrus is a bit of a problematic book. Uh, not a bit. It is, it is not a bit of a problem. It's one hell of a problem. Um, and I would preface this about what the book's about, but the customer we're going to listen to does a great job. And we'll get to that customer in a minute, but first I want to stop and break down a little bit about what you just heard. First, they call it a traumatic experience. Now, this is just a children's book. That's all it is. Yeah, maybe it makes a political point, but very subtly, only if you're a kid's not going to notice that. Um, and calling transgender Amazonians, transgender customers, the traumatic experience. And then he said, quote, there are things in the space that are happening. Doesn't want to burden the books team with further tickets that they have to work on, but there are things in the space that are happening. It's unclear exactly what those things that are happening for this hell of a problem of a book. And they get emotional. These these people on this call at one point, he takes off his glasses and appears to wipe away what are look to be tears as he gets choked up for a moment, talking about having to brace themselves before they listen to Matt Walsh read part, portions of this book to children. Um, amazing, amazing stuff. Amazing window into the soul of these Amazon employees who are just so triggered by this book. Um, but I want you to listen to, because here's the second thing. Now, now keep this in mind. They are playing a customer that called in. Always great to listen to your customers. That's fine. But this is Amazon. They probably have thousands and thousands of calls a day that they listen to and that they have people probably dedicated to to listen to. This is the complaint out of all those that they pull for this meeting. I want you to listen to some of this complaint, and it's it's a faulty complaint, and we'll explain why. But take a—I mean, you might probably hear it; it's pretty obvious. But take a listen to this complaint. This is the one they chose out of all the ones that they could choose. It is by Matt Walsh. It is teaching kids to kill, well, to bully transgenders. Yeah, to, to bully them into committing suicide, the LGBTQIA, especially transgenders. The story is about a kid who likes to pretend he's different things, and one day he pretends he's a walrus. And the community tells him he either has to be a human or he has to be a walrus or they're going to kill him. He can't be both. He can't pretend anymore. Now, the author, Matt Walsh, just tweeted this yesterday morning at 8.04 a.m. I now have the number one anti-LGBT book in the country. So there you have it. Um, hopefully you caught some of those things there, but we're going to go through it again. Again, this is out of all the complaints they could have picked. This is the one they picked. Now, first, 
bullying she says that the book is about them bullying lgbt students into committing suicide and that the community tells them he's got to be human or a walrus or they're going to kill him that's not even remotely close to in the book uh say what you want about the book but it does not say those things not even close the the story focuses around the mom who uh is feeling pressured by online mobs to just say her son is a walrus and then the zookeeper just points out he's not a walrus. <laughs> he's just a kid with like wood things in his mouth. That's all it says. It doesn't say anything about killing anybody. It doesn't say anything about he has to be a human or a walrus. Um, nothing. Nothing even close to that. And then this is what the Amazon person said was a customer who described the book so well. And then the second thing is she complains that Matt Walsh is online bragging, which he was joking about being the number one LGBT author. He didn't say anti-LGBT. He didn't say that. He was sarcastically saying, hey, look, I'm number one on the LGTB, L, uh, G, whatever, BT uh, list. And so therefore you've got to, anybody who criticizes me is anti-LGBT. That, that was a joke, an ironical point about him being number one on that list. So this review is incredibly faulty, incredibly false, and from someone who clearly either didn't read the book or completely lacks basic reading comprehension skills. Um, also, the Amazon employee went on to discuss Matt's other book, What is a Woman, which you saw the probably saw the uh, promo for his documentary coming up where he went around asking people, what is a woman? And um, he complains that men shouldn't be in that conversation, which I just wanted to point out that he's a man, so... I guess his opinion on this doesn't count as well, apparently, using his standard. Um, but uh, this is just, guys, this is incredible. You know, the victimhood theater here from people who want to discuss, again, these are the same people that want to discuss sexuality with your kindergartners. Uh, these are the same people that probably cheered on that 10-year-old drag queen parading themselves sexually on ABC's Good Morning America. Um, so uh, it's it's unbelievable that this is where we're at. Um, I guess I shouldn't be entirely surprised by the rhetoric that we're seeing going on around, but I think it's a window, guys, into what conservatives and Christians have complained about from things like Amazon and um, you know Facebook or Twitter is that there seems to be a censorship, there seems to be a bias one way. I highly doubt that you're seeing any Christians in there in Amazon complaining about being triggered about books that just absolutely rip Christians and call them all sorts of names. I highly doubt that that anybody had a big crying session on that one. And probably because Christians generally have thicker skin than that and we're used to the to the jabs and the barbs, so can handle it. So uh, I just think it's a disturbing look, guys, into the biases that are out there in these big platforms. Yeah, it's not only a disturbing look into those biases, which I think are important and we've known are there. I mean, we we have all dealt with this. I mean, Dan, you've been dealing with this for years. We all have of the denial of these biases, right? Yeah. In the media, oh, no, that it doesn't exist. In Hollywood, oh, no, it doesn't exist. And, you know, you could take every anecdotal example and put them together and it paints a really, you know, disturbing picture. And now you have social media in the mix as yet another area in which these ideas are dominating. And I would include Amazon in that, you know, new technology. And it's just, it's disturbing to see, but I think it also points to another sacrament in the secular religion that has been created. You know, you had abortion, you have all these things that have been a part of it. And if you don't embrace those things, you are going to be canceled and pushed out. And over the last year, 
gender has become one of those sacraments, this gender discussion. And to your point, you know, we have not seen and nor would Amazon ever have any sort of similar conversation about anti-Christian content, anti-Jewish content, anti-anything content. And and maybe I'm wrong. Maybe there's video somewhere that will leak showing that they've been weeping over this sort of thing. But again, we've not we've not seen that. And I think, yeah. you know, it's just it's disturbing to watch this just metastasize. Yeah, I mean, I think it's also indicative as Christians of the the culture that the you know the Bible warns us about, and then the the coming era when truth will be passed off as as lies, and lies will be passed off as truth. Mm. Uh, because I think if you look at all of the trends in our culture right now, it's the most like radical, off the wall crazy things are acceptable. Like the gender stuff is completely acceptable. Uh, the race stuff is completely acceptable. And so often the race stuff is just a reversal of uh, of the, our dark history as uh, America with slavery and Jim Crow and all that. Now it's, it's okay to be racist in the other direction uh, and that no one can can push back against that. And then, uh, you know, like st- we'll get into this with our next story with Megan Fox, but like the occult stuff, Bill, you've covered this extensively. That's becoming more and more mainstream and it's okay to talk about it. So all of these radical things are being passed off as completely acceptable, normal, celebratory, uh, but like Christianity and faith and having a, a set you know, list of values and principles and an, uh, an unmoving moral compass, like uh, being anchored in, in something other than yourself. Those are things that are like radical and crazy. Like we can't talk about those things. Uh, so, you know, I just think it's our, our culture is completely turned upside down yeah. over the last several years. And I think in the age of social media, when everything is so quickly accessible to us, not that these things haven't been going on, but they've been so heightened and magnified mm. over the last several years that we've had social media with everybody and anybody chiming in uh, on this stuff. Yeah, agreed. So, all right, story number two. So Transformer star Megan Kelly, uh, or not Megan Kelly, Megan. Very different Megan's there. Very different. I, I can't believe I said Megan Kelly. So apologies to Megan now Kelly. Now I'm picturing because... Megan Kelly in Transformers, which would be very fascinating. Yeah, it's a very different career paths these yes. two women have had. Uh, but Megan Fox of Transformers, uh, she raised eyebrows in January uh, when she first revealed that she and her now fiance is a recording artist, uh, Machine Gun Kelly. Uh, She said at the time they, quote, drank each other's blood uh, during their engagement. Obviously, yeah, obviously a lot of people were like, huh, (laughs) tell us more. But she didn't (laughs) at the time. Uh, She didn't go into much detail, but she's speaking out about it now. Uh, So the 35-year-old opened up about that quite bizarre uh, claim during a new uh, interview with British Glamour. Uh, She said, so I guess to drink each other's blood Uh, might mislead people or people are imagining us with goblets and we're like game of thrones drinking each other's blood it's just a few drops she said but yes we do consume each other's blood on occasion for ritual purposes only Hmm. uh i guess in her mind that made it better which which she said it's only it's only on occasion uh but anyway uh she doesn't who doesn't do it you know, right. I mean, it's just like, oh, you know, now that you say it's just on occasion and only a right. few drops. Right. No more questions. Right. Uh, so she went on to say uh, that she's 
really just been kind of dabbling in the occult over the last several years. She said, I read tarot cards and I'm into astrology and I'm doing all these metaphysical practices and meditations. uh, And I do rituals on new moons and full moons and all of these things. And so when I do it, talking about drinking blood, as she said, it's a passage or it's used for a reason uh, and it's controlled where it's like, let's shed a few drops of blood and each drink it. Um, she went on to say that her fiance, whose real name, his, by the way, is Colton, uh, is, quote, much more haphazard and hectic and chaotic, uh, referring to how he will shed his blood. Uh, she said he's willing to just cut his chest open with broken glass and be like, take my soul. Um, and Glamour asked her if that's actually something that's happened. And Megan Fox said it doesn't not happen. Uh, Let me tell you, maybe not exactly like that, but a version of that has happened many, many times. Um, So that's not that that obviously that's bizarre and and concerning enough, but that's not really the end of of the spiritual remarks that she's made. Uh, She also said during another point during their interview or during her interview with Glamour uh, that she believes she's been manifesting Machine Gun Kelly uh, since she was four years old. She said, I'm also four years older than him, so I think that I made him. My thoughts and intentions grew him into the person that he is, <laughs> who knows what he would have looked like or even been like if it wasn't uh, for me. It, she also talked about how they met. So they officially met each other in 2020, uh, but they were first introduced to each other several years prior. Uh, but she recalled bizarrely that she was not even able at that time the first introduction to see his face uh, that he had no face uh, to her Uh, she said i think we weren't allowed to see each other yet we weren't supposed to run into each other that night our so our souls our spirit guides uh, were luring us away from each other because you literally had he literally had no face i like that thing from spirited away it is hard to see his face in general but really he had no face that night um, so it's definitely a shift. I think that the saddest part guys, and then I know we've kind of gone along on this, but uh, the saddest part of the story to me is that she grew up in a Christian home. She was very right. active in her charismatic, uh, Christian church. She talked about it in a 2013 interview with Esquire saying that she's seen incredible things happen in her church. She said, I've seen people healed even now in, in the church I go to during praise and worship. Uh, she talked about how she was raised speaking in tongues. And she said, speaking in tongues at the church she was going to at the time, uh, she said, might seem bizarre to those, uh, to those people. But nevertheless, she talked about having grown up with a, like a, a biblical, understanding of of faith um but that has obviously since changed over the last decade or so and she's kind of stepped out of the limelight um and a lot of it she said was a spiritual quest that centered on her treatment in hollywood she was very objectified and sexualized uh, and she said that she's had to do a lot of work to process uh, through that she said so there was a purpose in it, and i didn't have to suffer uh, anymore, talking about the transformation she's had. She said, it's made me grow into a much more interesting human being than I would have been without that. So it allows you the space to have gratitude for something that previously you felt persecuted by. That's the one thing in my life I did do a lot of work on. I do feel freedom from. So it's not that I feel vindicated. I'm beyond that because I don't need to be right about it anymore. Uh, back then I was hurt. Of course, I did suffer tremendously, but you know, I'm not looking for a payback. I don't need an apology. So quite the transformation that Megan Fox 
has gone uh, gone through over the last several years from someone raised as a Christian to now seemingly you know diving completely into bizarre and certainly occult type practices. I mean, uh, this is just an example of what happens when you're not connected to God, when you just let uh, people are looking for something to worship. They're looking for something that's embedded in us. But so often we see that misplaced. And um, this is all this is what you're seeing, right? Like this is you're seeing that go completely off the rails, abandoning you know the God of Scripture and then just making up your own God and doing your own things. And um, but you know, driven by that desire to worship something or to have something bigger than yourself. And uh, it's it's just sad to see, you know, it's sad to see. And again, just like Cat Lady from yesterday with Trey, with your uh, top weird stories of 2022, <laughs> we're going to be praying for uh, her as well. <laughs> Cat Lady. Cat Lady is going to be worked into absolutely yeah. everything from now on. Um, <laughs> yeah, this is a real concern for about three different reasons. And the first reason would be this is a Hollywood celebrity who has a lot of influence. And you know, that's the first thing. And so this idea that people will dismiss and laugh at this and say, oh, you know, ha, ha, ha. Well, this is the second actress we've covered in a little bit of time here who's engaging in these sorts of things, right? We just talked about Vanessa Hudgens the other day as well. Yeah. So these are really influential people. And so that's the first reason. The second reason is that culture, as you were saying, Dan, is moving away from God. It's a secular religion that is replacing yeah. Christianity, and that is not satisfying people. So they're going to be looking to fill that hole with something, and this is what people are filling it with, right? This is actually something that is increasing. We're seeing conversations about it increase, and um, yeah, that that is just deeply, deeply concerning. And the third reason is it's a concern for her, as you were saying, Trey. It's really sad that somebody had the background she had, you know, in the faith, and then even a few years ago was openly talking about faith and. You know, this is where she is now. So we got to be praying for people like this. And I think, again, it's easy to dismiss these things as weird. Um, but the Bible tells us this stuff is real and it's dangerous and we should be aware of that. Yeah. I mean, I think really it should be indicative. It should be encouraging in, in, a, in a, a way, I think, to Christians because uh, it should it should confirm to us that we know the truth in who Jesus is, that Jesus is is sidelined as unacceptable, but this kind of stuff is mainstreamed as okay. I think, you know, because truth is, is concerning. It's a, it's, it's convicting. Uh, I think it's uncomfortable. So we, people are, are afraid of that, but this stuff is okay. I think, you know, people are so desperate for hope and maybe the silver lining is that provides an opportunity for us as believers to, to share the hope of the gospel. Mm. Boom. All right. Well, that brings us to our last story. And this one is really, Oh, it's interesting. There's a Florida atheist and he's making headlines for demanding the immediate removal of the Bible from classrooms, libraries, and other areas, right? So, and not just not just the Bible. He wants any book that references the Bible to also be taken out of schools in Florida. And it's an intriguing story for a variety of reasons. There's obviously a lot going on right now when it comes to controversial books and curriculum. Books like Fifty Shades of Grey are facing scrutiny with a lot of Florida parents kind of saying, look, these might be dangerous texts. They might be bad for our kids. They're inappropriate. We don't want them there. And so we have this situation here where Chaz Stevens, this is the atheist activist, he has sent out a letter uh, to at least 62 superintendents encouraging them to ban the Bible, and again, any other book that also references the Bible, 
on this argument that the Bible is also inappropriate. Here's a little quote from his letter. He said, quote, let's be honest, banning books is never a good idea, but what's fair is fair. And with that in mind, please find attached my request to ban the Bible. So this activist is essentially saying, look, I don't think we should ban books, but if you are going to have categories for the books that you want banned, let's talk about what's in the Bible. And so uh, this is really a reaction, and we'll sort of pause here to explain this, to House Bill 1467. This was signed last month by Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, and the idea was that this would require school districts to be much more transparent about the instructional materials that they're using, and that would include the library, you know, the books that are available for students, and any parent who has an issue with those books can actually contest the materials or the books that they believe are inappropriate. So that's what sort of opened the door. Obviously the goal was to sort of get rid of some of the strange things we see happening in schools when it comes to gender and race and some of these other things. Um, at least that's what the goal seemed to be. But now you have an atheist coming in and saying, look, I, you know, I want to get the Bible out and it should be noted that this guy, Stevens, he he describes himself as, quote, a political stunt activist. And so this <laughs> is the kind of stuff he does, and he uses comedy while he's doing it. This, so he's not approaching this, you know, in a way that maybe some other atheist activists have. We actually covered him back in December. You'll remember the the Fauci clause display. He was the guy behind that, too. Ah, yes. Um, but, but what is interesting here, he knows that this is a long shot, but he said he's hopeful that officials will apply their own standards to the Bible like they are to the other books. And he went through some of the things he sees that are in the Bible that are problematic. He talked about wokeness. He sees wokeness in the Bible. Uh, he talked about slavery. And of course, the slavery issue has been litigated again and again and again, but yet atheists continue to say that the Bible supports slavery. Um, he talked about some of the sexual things that you'll find in the Bible, the things that the stories that we see there of things that happened. And uh, there's really no indication of what will happen, but, but Florida will have to take seriously any of these complaints under the law. And it seems like, you know, even this Bible complaint will have to be taken uh, seriously. He also said, just to kind of give a little more insight, he said, quote, my goal is to use the law as our expert politicians in Tallahassee intended. There were no carve outs for religious te texts, so I would assume they meant them to be in play. And the other part of this, the why it matters, again, people can laugh or dismiss this entire thing, but it's a very real campaign. Uh, he also tweeted last night that there will soon be a web-based app that will create a customized PDF Bible banning letter. This is the language that he used that you can send to your local superintendent. So he's going to actually create an app to make it easier for people to send these same letters and complain about the Bible throughout the state. Wow. Uh, I just, I'm sorry, but I just can't help but think about oh, what kind of special reward he's going to have in the afterlife for creating an app that helps make it easier for people to complain about the Bible. I don't know. It just doesn't seem good. It doesn't seem like the route you want to take uh, here on this one chance at life we get. And then that's the <laughs> route that you take. But it's interesting, though, guys. It's, and Trey, we've talked about this a lot with moral relativism. I'm always chuckling when you hear people complain about the values and the morals in a book. According to what standard is my question we always ask. What what standard are you appealing to there, sir? Uh, because yeah. it's, if it's just yours, then great. I disagree. Now what? Now what do we do? And yeah. uh, that's that's the problem. Ultimately, all these complaints in my mind uh, fall ha, you know have in common. Well, and I think it's it reveals 
the, what are people really scared about? And like yeah. in the, the secular culture, they're most concerned with the Bible. They don't want people accessing that truth because the reality is, is that if you have the truth of the gospel and you have the truth of scripture and who God is and how you're created to be as his image bearer and, and what you're, you know, how all, how every other aspect of your life is impacted by it, like sexuality your marriage relationships, um, identity, all of these things. If people find the truth of scripture, then the rest starts to crumble and fall away. So I think on a, whether it's conscious or subconscious, I think a great deal of it is spiritual and people are, are thinking, well, if people have access to this truth, then none of the rest of the stuff will matter. Yeah. So we have to block people from getting that truth. We have to make that seem dangerous to people so that all of this other actually dangerous stuff can flourish. Right. And, and if we use the standard that they use, like we were talking about in the Matt Walsh story earlier, that it's going to kill people. Well, what does this do when we're trying to ban the Bible? You know, what does that say to people who believe in Christianity? What does it say for kids who believe in Christianity? It'd be really nice if we could just develop thicker skin with this stuff. Yeah. And just let people look at stuff. I mean, for crying out loud. I mean, they're and at the same time, they're pushing, let's talk about, you know, LGBT sex issues with kindergartners. But then... You know, they're, they'll at the same time create apps to complain about the Bible. I mean, it's just we're living in a backwards world for sure. Yeah, we are. No, it, it's and look, there are stories in the Bible that we are careful how we present them to kids because they're not going to yeah. understand them. And sure. that's the exact same principle we would take to education. There are yep. things we don't present to kids because they're not going to be able to understand them. And only people with an ill will who want to indoctrinate them are going to share those things because they want them to not believe any other thing, mainly the Christian worldview. So it's, right. yeah, this is very bizarre. Obviously, I don't think it's going to be successful, but it's definitely an interesting use. And I do think it requires us to think more about the laws that we create too, right? Yeah. Because it, the law itself How does can they open. Be used? Yeah, yeah, exactly. How can it be used back at us? So, all right. Well, that is all the time we have for this episode of today's podcast. As always, you can head on over to cbnnews.com, faithwire.com for more news from a Christian perspective. Make it a regular stop. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast wherever you love listening to your favorite podcast. And as always, we will uh, be back here tomorrow with more Lord Willen and the Creek Don't Rise. God bless. We'll see you then. <laughs>